Hi there, and welcome to Let's Slow Down, a podcast for all of you who feel tired and stressed from this overwhelming world. Here we'll have fun, inspiring conversations about living life on our own terms and explore ways to ease the pace of our modern world, because life really is good when you're relaxed enough to be present for it. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Stolting, and I welcome you to this space where I hope to inspire you to slow down, because life is too short to let it go by in a blur. So take a deep breath, relax, and enjoy the show. Exciting news. I'd like to give away a copy of Dr. Peggy DeLong's book, Feeling Good, to a lucky listener who writes a review or shares the podcast. Just DM me on social media with a screenshot, or you can email me. Details in the show notes. Today, my guest is Dr. Reka Mandel. She is a traditional doctor who has also taken up studying lifestyle medicine. So she's here to talk to us today about the pillars of lifestyle medicine and how she does it all with three kids. She's a busy mom and also a co-founder of something called the Body and Soul Collective, which she's going to tell us about. So welcome, Dr. Reka Mandel. Thank you. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I'm super excited to be chatting with you today. And I just, you know, so thankful for this platform. So happy that you're taking some time to talk to us today. So I'd like to start by just hearing a little bit about your background. I know you started in traditional medicine and then moved into a few different other directions. So if you could tell us about that. Yeah, of course. So I am trained in internal medicine. I went to the University of Connecticut, very traditional program. Um, and as an internist, so basically I'm an adult doctor. So I could take care of you in the hospital, in the clinic. Um, anything having to do with adult medicine. And I spent the first 11 years of my life working as a hospitalist. So I was taking care of really sick, acutely ill patients that were getting admitted through the ER and then following them like their whole duration of the hospital stay. It was very rewarding because you kind of like, this is what I went to med school for, right? I'm saving lives. It's exciting. It's fun. But then you get to a point where you're like, why are these people so sick? We have end-stage heart failure, end-stage kidney disease, really poorly controlled diabetics. And you start not only getting burnt out because of all the medications you're giving these patients, but it's also the grind, the grind of long hours, complicated patients. And I started to think, how come we're not preventing this? Like, why aren't we teaching these patients about nutrition or exercise? Because you may or may not know this, but in medical school training, we literally get two weeks, if that, on training for nutrition. Whoa, that's yes. nothing. That is it's, nothing. Oh, no, no. It's, it's really nothing. Like, at that point, I could tell you every single medication for diabetes and how it works and the side effects. but I couldn't necessarily tell you like what foods to eat to prevent diabetes. And you come out being this very skilled physician, but really not skilled in the area where patients really would benefit from. So then I kind of, I took a deep dive and I said, listen, I could spend my career like putting out these fires or I could really get to the root cause and help patients before they even become diabetic or b before they go down the path of breast cancer or 
or heart disease. And that triggered me. Like there, there was something exciting about that. So I, I looked at what my options were. I could go to primary care or I could transition to something less stressful for me. And I decided to say, you know what, let me go see what's happening in the world of, of nursing home care. And, and then I made the transition after my third child was born because I realized I cannot work these hours. It's just not manageable. So I, I wasn't excited, to be honest. I was like, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to be working in a nursing home, but I'm going to give that a shot. So I worked there for two to three years, and I learned so much about longevity. I learned about end-of-life care. I learned about how people can really live a meaningful life with the right resources. And I also, I learned that, gosh, I really hope I don't end up in a nursing home because it's a very lonely place to be. After working there for two to three years, I then felt more comfortable that listen, I think I could be a primary care doctor. I think I could, you know, I've seen all aspects of it. And that's when I pursued my education in lifestyle medicine. So briefly, just for some people who haven't heard of this, you know, this is a board certification. It's extra training in nutrition, in exercise, in learning about sleep, hygiene, stress management, and finding ways to get people off their medications, if possible helping them wean off their medications once they lose the weight, once they become more active. So I just threw myself full force into this, and this is where I'm at right now. So I, I love to do a little combination of traditional medicine, but I also insert my lifestyle medicine practices because I realize people, people don't necessarily want to be on pills. They don't want to be on medications, and they don't want to develop the diseases they, that they thought they would have to just manage because it runs so heavily in their family. I think people don't even realize that there is this other option. You know, yes. you're not feeling good. You go to the doctor and it is just so commonplace that you go and you leave with your prescription and then mm -hmm. go on your way. Okay, oh, I have the pill now, but why, what's causing this disease to begin with? Why do I need to take these pills? These pills are a Band-Aid, right? They're helping the symptoms. They're not helping the cause. So right. I think it's so important. And I'd imagine this sector of medicine, lifestyle medicine, is this starting to really grow now? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think especially because of COVID, what we saw coming out of the pandemic is that nutrition matters, health matters. It, all of that preventative care really came to the forefront. And especially because of how isolated people were. I tell this story. I was at Chester Medical Associates for two years before going, going off on my own. And we were seeing patients throughout COVID. In the office, I would have my elderly patients. They would come in with their bedazzled mask. They were all dressed <laughs> up. And usually they would tell me, this is the first time I've left my house. And they were just so happy to connect with anybody at that point, right? So I, I think lifestyle medicine is certainly going to be how medicine evolves in the future. In fact, in New York, Mayor Adams is spearheading one of the first lifestyle medicine practices in all of New York City. Wow. The patients will have the option to talk about their nutrition with their doctor. And it's interesting you, you mentioned prescription for medication. 
there is a prescription that I write for exercise. And studies show that if the prescription comes from the doctor and the physician specifically states how many minutes they want the patient to, to exercise, what type of exercise that they're more likely to adhere to it. So that makes sense. This is a new way, right? It makes sense. It makes sense. And there's so much information out there. I know I've been on my own health journey for quite a while. There's just so much conflicting information. So I think it's great that we're going to start being able to see more MDs that we know and trust that we can go make appointments with and talk about all of this stuff. Because I've gone to a lot of different practitioners and I'll say like, hey, I'm willing to change my diet. I'd rather not take that thyroid medication. I want to learn how to control this through lifestyle and through what I eat and my stress. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much I get back from that. Like I've, I've asked a lot about diet and I get very different recommendations depending on who I'm talking to. So it can make us, you know, regular people very confused and not sure what to listen to and what direction to go. You know, this is the number one issue I have with social media. And I think right now you have people on TikTok, on sites like Goop, nothing against Gwyneth Paltrow. I think she's a great actress, but I think you have to really hone into where you're getting your medical information. Make sure that these are doctors. You know, they're not, nothing against acupuncturists or chiropractors. I mean, everybody needs to play in their lane. And I am very much so evidence-based. I will only recommend something that has data behind it. And I do not believe in fad diets. There are a lot of people that want to look for that magic pill or that magic um, injectable, whether it's Manjaro, Wagavi, Ozempic. All of that stuff has its place in medicine. But I think if your foundation is not strong, none of this is going to work. None of this. So of course, lifestyle medicine, it's, it's kind of what your grandmother told you to do, right? Get out there, eat fresh food, exercise, you know, don't eat processed foods. We've known all of this for a long time, but now that we're making pillars that we follow and we adhere to, it makes it a little bit easier, a little bit more manageable. So if you'd like, I can review those pillars with you. Would um, love it. Yeah. So let's just jump right into this. Okay. And I see a patient for a lifestyle medicine consult. The first thing I want them to do is that, listen, I am your advocate. I am like your, your let's say, captain of the ship. I'm going to help you navigate these pillars. And I want you to do this as a family. If you've got a husband, if you've got children, it's really good to get your whole family talking about these pillars so that you can heal and grow together. So the first one is to eat whole food, plant-based diet, okay? So what I mean by that, it doesn't mean you have to be vegan, and I just want you to be plant-forward. So the majority of your meal, your plate, should have fruits and vegetables. You have a little bit of protein, a little bit of good multigrain carbs, you know, that makes for a good meal. So we try to push that all of the long-term studies support patients eating whole food, plant-based. Okay. Number two, regular physical activity. Now I strategically do not say exercise because people hear that word and they're like, (laughs) yes, you know, I just want you to move, move, do what makes your body sweat, whether that's dancing to music in your kitchen, 
or if that's riding your bike, which I heard you mention on one of your previous podcasts. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Or playing tag with your kids in the yard. Pick something you like to do. Moderate intensity exercise is brisk walking. Most days a week, that's what I want you to do. Is there a certain uh, amount of time, like per day? So let's say yeah, we're doing brisk walk. Like what do you, what's 30 effective? 30 okay, 30 minutes. minutes. Number three, adequate sleep. So this is a whole topic on its own, but getting at least as an adult seven to eight hours of good restorative sleep is very important. So when I say sleep, um, make sure that it's built into your schedule so that you're not getting to bed and then all of a sudden the kids are asleep and you tell your husband, hey, let's go binge a show, you know, for <laughs> half an hour. Let's just, you know, connect over a show. No, I don't want you to do that. I want you to make the commitment to get those good seven to eight hours. Uh, number four, stress management, which is the most important and the most meaningful way that you can help all of these pillars is to identify your triggers for stress and to really focus on ways that you can personally bring your levels down. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit when I give you hopefully some, some hacks for some of these pillars. Yes, for sure. Um, number five, avoid the use of risky substances. So that's alcohol, that's smoking. You know, it doesn't mean you have to never drink alcohol again. It's just you have to be mindful about the, the quantity of alcohol you're drinking and uh, when you're drinking it. And, but, but smoking, I am anti-smoking all the time. <laughs> no smoking, no vaping, none of that. And finally, the most important pillar that I think is social connection. If you have heard about the Harvard study that was done, this is a multi-year, I think it's 85 years they spent and they wanted to identify what makes us happy in life. And the number one thing that they found consistently were the positive relationships. And it doesn't mean that you have to be married, although married couples did seem to be happier, but you really have to have good, positive energy and relationships. And that's the one thing that I definitely saw during COVID we didn't have. People didn't I, get a chance to foster. Mm -hmm. Yep. We really felt it so much. Mm -hmm. It's just so evident there how important this stuff is. And it's like the little things that you don't think about, just running into someone at the grocery store or it's those little things that seem insignificant, but actually do add to our day. And our recent guest, my recent guest on the show, Dr. Peggy DeLong, the gratitude psychologist, she mentioned that the number one indicator of happiness was human connection. And, you know, she said, hey, if you're, if you're at that grocery store, don't go to the self-checkout, check out with a clerk, say hello to them, just talk to them for a minute as they're ringing you up. It makes a difference. And I've been trying to do that. And it does really make a difference. Not that I didn't believe right. her, but I'm just trying to make these things, you know, add these things to my own life. And it leaves with a little more of a smile. So it makes a difference. Yeah, that's excellent advice, especially for our, our teens who are so in, like in their phone all the time. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's good to practice that. And it's all about practice, right? It comes down to habits. The more you practice interacting and being social, the easier it's going to get. And, and the more that the brain connection, and, and she mentioned also in her podcast with you, is so important. All of these pillars are, the foundation is habits and how do you change your habits. 
And we can do that. We can change. We have that ability. Definitely. We have the ability. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something like, so I know you said you're going to talk about hacks, which is perfect. Totally need the hacks right now. And and it's, it's something that I have to constantly remind myself like, okay, let's look at this. What can I change? And maybe it's something little that we can just kind of tweak that we will start to see pretty huge effects from if we're consistent with it. And if we make that habit and eventually it will become second nature. It takes a little bit of time, but. And the majority of our things that we do during the day are all habits, right? We have a cue and that cues us to behave a certain way. You think about even driving somewhere, right? Your brain, it's the, those patterns in your brain are so strong and connected that you don't even think, like you don't even remember sometimes. How did you get to that? Place? Right. Because it's such a pattern. So if we can, we can use that to affect our, our sleep, our eating, or even our, our movement. You know, I'm going to get up in the morning, put my tennis shoes on, I'm going to go outside. So that loop, the habit loop is something that it's the harder thing to change, but it's the most effective, more long lasting. Absolutely. So talk to us about... How do we do all these things? I mean, I'm on board. These make perfect sense. <laughs> these six pillars, like, yes, sign me up. We so sign you up, right? Yeah, so we I can all benefit. <laughs> the the majority, and I will talk a little bit about my patient interaction because I, I learned so much from my patients. And I think 80% of the time, I know this sounds high, but 80% of the time when my patients come to see me for acute visits, it all comes down to anxiety and stress. And they will think it's something else. They will be like, oh, I can't lose weight. You know, my hormones are off. Doc, can you check my thyroid? Can you do this? And when we sit down and actually spend the time talking about what is happening, it's usually some sort of stress or anxiety, whether it's from work or it's from overscheduling or especially driving the kids around to all these different places. Sometimes we just have to sit back and just think about what our day looks like and say no, check it, mark it off the list. Like I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give from my cup so much that I'm so depleted at the end of the week because one, you can truly never catch up on that sleep that you've missed and you need good sleep. And what happens when you're anxious is that either one, your mind is, is running at night, you can't fall asleep. Or two, you're waking up at 2, 3 a.m. with a racing heart rate or these, this to-do list of stuff that you have to do. So what works for some patients, which I know clinically, it's easy to incorporate this into your life. I will tell you this hack, it's, it's called controlling your sympathetic nervous system, your fight or flight. There's one very easy way to do this, and it's with the power of breathing. And, you know, I can talk you through this. And on a podcast, it's difficult to actually see my belly going in and out. But it's truly the belly breathing. And how that works is that opposite to your sympathetic nervous system, which is the fight or flight, is the parasympathetic nerve. It's the vagus nerve. It's the nerve that runs all the way from your brain down to beneath your belly. And when you do that belly breathing, so take a deep breath in. And if you can make your belly fill with air, you will stimulate that nerve and your heart rate goes down, 
your respiratory rate goes down, and you will feel an overwhelming feeling of calmness. So I usually have patients who tend to have anxiety and stress. I have them incorporate this in their day. So I tell them, you know, if you're feeling that this is coming on, lie down, get grounded, get on a yoga mat, and I want you for five minutes to just belly breathe. And this seems to help them throughout, you know, get through the day because we can't sure. avoid these stressful periods. Right. I, the number one thing I think people can do is, is try to control the stress and anxiety. And I do want to just reference, I've had two people that do breath work, both on the, on the oh, show in previous excellent. episodes. And I have to look back so that I can reference their episode numbers. But I will do that in the show notes for anyone listening because they both provided a short little mini breathwork session as a follow-up bonus episode. So if anyone's oh, finding this beautiful. interesting, they can go back and listen to those right now, right after we're done you know, with this episode can go listen to those and have a little breathwork session because I've done it. I did it with them on the show, but I've also done some breathwork privately. And it's really a game changer. And it's something that's always like, we have it with us all the time. We can do it in the car. We can do it at a meeting. We can do it wherever. And it's always available to us. And it might not be the first thing we think of, you know, like, okay, I feel kind of stressed. Like what now? Well, you know, people are so used to popping a pill. You know, I'm going to take my Xanax. I'm going to take my melatonin or, you know, they have ideas and that it's not sustainable. Right. Right. So, and and to be connected, that that's kind of where the, our mind body connection comes from. It's truly, it's truly something within us. And I am a firm believer that the body can heal itself for most things. Right. Right. Love that. So that's something super easy that we can all do right now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I can certainly go through and tell you a few of my takeaways for these pillars. Number one, be your own guru. I'm going to give you eight things. Be your own guru. So basically, you have to be your own captain. You've got to know not only be physically connected with, oh, yeah, my throat hurts or I have a headache, but also be connected with how you're feeling emotionally. You know, what's happening to me? I'm feeling stressed. My heart is racing. I'm sweating. Really find that connection between the two because it, it, it's yin and yang. There's always a connection. We There's forget. There's always a connection. Right. There's always a connection. Number two, habits are key to wellness. You have to rewire the brain. You have to change your habits. It takes about two to three weeks to form new habits. The more you practice something, the better you get at it. And I tell my kids this when they're out there playing basketball. I'm like, you're only going to get better if you practice. If you practice eating vegetables, you're going to get good at eating vegetables. Practice kindness. You're going to be a kind person. Number three, be plant forward. So that that's truly important. I'm trying to, you know, I don't have it all figured out. I've got three kids. They're all different eaters. But as long as you have these vegetables at every meal, even if your kid doesn't like it, the more you offer it, it's going to take 10 to 15 times. They're going to eventually try it. Number four, move. We talked about this earlier. Sometimes when I'm cleaning my house, I'll have my my music on because at least I feel like, hey, I'm kind of like in a club and you know, this is, is fun, sure. right? I'm enjoying <laughs> doing my 10th load of laundry. Again, you're tricking your brain, right? You just keep telling yourself. Your brain doesn't know. 
it, it doesn't know, but it will re release all those endorphins and serotonin and dopamine, those feel-good hormones. Sleep. So sleep is so important that I want you to make it something you're looking forward to. Have a beautiful space. Spend the money on some great sheets. If they have problems with startling or getting up at night, try a weighted blanket. Studies show that that can be very effective in keeping you asleep longer. And a weighted blanket, you can get it online at Amazon. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy. I think it is very important, and everybody knows this already, get the phones out of the room. You know, don't use it as your alarm clock. It should not be the first thing you look at in the morning or the last thing you look at at night because your brain, especially when you're waking up in the morning, it's still sort of in that phase where it's just getting, uh, getting awake, getting adapted to being able to do all these activities. If you're stimulating it with, with scrolling through social media, it's probably not the best thing. What I'd recommend for falling asleep is to, to look into doing a guided meditation. Meditation, some people know this, but it rewires the brain. It really does change. If, if we do imaging of the brain after somebody's been meditating, everything lights up so much better. It's just working better. The connections are flowing better. Amazing. Number six, practice deep breathing to combat stress. We talked about. Number seven, cut down on alcohol. I think during the pandemic, everybody was drinking too much. Change the way you look at having a glass of wine. Like instead of you thinking, oh, I can't wait to get home after work, I'm going to unwind and relax with wine. Why don't you reframe that? When you get home from work, I think I'm going to go outside and play with my dog. I'm going to go outside, take a brisk walk. If if you want to continue drinking during the week, it's okay, but make sure it's just one glass and measure it out. Six ounces is what I tell patients. If you're going to have another glass, have a glass of water in between those two. Those wine glasses are huge They're now. Huge. So you think you're having, and it's the same thing with the coffee mugs. Like you think you're having one, but it's probably equivalent to at least two. <laughs> oh, it always comes down to portion size, right? right? Whether it's food or drink. And and finally, connection. And and this is where our little wellness company, Body and Soul Collective, comes in. Find meaningful ways to connect with the people that bring you joy, that make you shine, right? It may not be family. It may not be your siblings or parents, but it may be good friends. It, it may be a sports, you know, if you play tennis or golf or whatever it may be. This is so important. And I say this as a woman, but also as a wife, because our husbands do not have that connection that we tend to have. And studies show that men, they are most socially connected in the summertime because of their grilling. They're grilling. They're having friends over. But during the winter, these poor guys, you know, they need extra, extra time with their friends too. And even I'm thinking of, of like golf, for example. My husband enjoys playing golf. Of course, never enough time to fit it in, you know, as yes. much as you want to. But I I used to play a little bit like back in the day, but I've gotten away from it. And I'm thinking like, wow, that would be a really great thing for us to do together, especially as we get older, as our kids get older, to have a sport, maybe not go out for a glass of wine tonight. Hey, maybe we can fit in a half day of golf or something. And, and you know, 
fit a lot of these pillars in, get some exercise, get some fresh air, connect. I love that. I love that. And pickleball is all the rage now. So (laughs) do that. (laughs) So finding something that you can do as a couple that is also in line with your health goals and and everything else. And, And listen, these pillars, do it as a family. Run the pillars on a weekly basis. Like, how are we all doing with sleep? How are we doing with nutrition? Are we exercising? Because we, we are all finding ways to connect with family. Something that we started in our little friend circle, we're trying to do family dinners on Sunday. Not just with our family, we're trying to get other families together because it's fun for the kids, fun for the adults, and it, it just reinforces how important community is. And such a nice thing to look forward to at the end of a busy week. Yeah. Before you're starting another busy Before week. <laughs> and it's even better when you're not cooking the whole dinner. It sure is. <laughs> I grew up with that kind of family dinner tradition. My father's from a big family. So we would get together every Sunday at my grandparents' house and really truly grew up with cousins that were sort of like siblings because we were all always together. And yeah, some what people... Great memories. Such great memories. And we lived down the street from my grandmother, but and my grandfather. But some of them, I mean, we had one of my aunts would drive from out of state almost every Sunday to come to dinner. And it was really, honestly, if you'd ask all of, all of them, that's probably one of everybody's just favorite core memories. And it really does shape how you grow up and how you view family and connection. And and I love it. And I, and one of my cousins actually lives nearby now and we were saying, oh, we should try to maybe bring that back. So my question for you, because I mean, I'm all on board and I would love to do it, is how, I mean, we both have three children that are similar ages and are doing similar things. They're all involved. How do we go about that as a family? Everybody wants to do their sports and their clubs and their activities. And us, mostly moms, end up playing Uber driver, among other things. And it takes its toll. So how do you approach that with your family? So we are a two-physician household. So my husband is a cardiologist, and I tell him this, he's, he should pay rent to the hospital because, like, he's living there most of the time. <laughs> so if, listen, this culture is, is not forgiving, and you really have to be intentional. And I love the fact that you talk about these traditions because at the end of the day, kids want tradition, and they want routine. So... For us as a family, during the week, it's chaos, and my husband's not there for a lot of it. And, and I think there are other families where one parent travels a lot. So we, we view vacations as our family time. So we are going on vacation, and this is going to seem like a lot, but it's like every six weeks, we'll go somewhere, whether it's, you know, to New York or, or, or something a, li- a little farther, we really focus on time that we can spend as a family together and traveling is the one one time when that happens and then phones are down and kids have to be engaged really unplug yes yes absolutely but I think day in and day out you have to plan those family dinners if you can do it not everybody has a family but I think we're, we're all way too involved with sports with our kids and sure it's important but I think it's much more important that we that we show our kids that these traditions are our foundation. And it's the only time when you really get to have them off their phones and they're present and you're sharing a meal together. 
So I would prioritize that. If you can do family dinners at night and then bedtime routine, this is a perfect time. This is one hack that I didn't mention earlier, but what I did when my kids were smaller, I would, I would do like a group shavasana. So if anybody who's done yoga, they know that the, the last position is the corpse pose where everybody, you're completely relaxed. So I would have my kids, I would have them all laying on yoga mats. I would put a little blanket on them rub some lavender lotion on their feet, do a guided meditation, but it was something we did as a family. So whether you connect with that or you connect by, by playing pickleball together, make sure it's on your schedule. It's on your, your calendar, your family calendar, just like you would put your football practice on there, right? So we're, we're all just trying to do the best that we can. And I think it's just Let's support each other in these ventures as much as we can. Absolutely. So important. And I often think, I mean, it's going quick. We both have high school age kids and we know that, you know, our time with them is, it's almost over. This crazy. I mean, they'll always be our children. They'll always come back, but it's going to be different in a few years. And just looking back at my own childhood, you know, it's like, what do I remember? And what do I have those best like core memories from? And it's not the schlepping around to all the practices. And although I had a great, I think some of the girls listen still to this podcast, great softball team. We played together for a long time and my parents were very lucky. My sister and I played on the same team. Um, so <laughs> they got two for one with all the traveling. <laughs> and, but they great group of people, great group of girls. We had great coaches. We were so lucky. And we were like a little family and we were together for, I don't know, six, seven years. We played kind of the same group on the so same So you're team. still connected with them. And we still are. We are that's still connected. So mm -hmm. And so that's a, another wonderful memory that I have. But at the end of the day, and it was also much more like manageable and reasonable. It, it was a competitive team, but it wasn't every mm -hmm. single day. It was yeah. a little bit more manageable than it is today, I feel like with sports, but Looking back, it is those those family traditions and those vacations and that downtime spent together mm -hmm. that I cherish the most and that I think made the most impact on me and, and how I'm now raising my family. So I try to think about that with my kids. Like, I don't want them to look back and just remember running around all the time yeah. and just they feeling frazzled. Feeling frazzled. And that's why your podcast, the title is perfect. Let's slow down. <laughs> Let's slow down. That's all we have to do. Let's start with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's try to just keep it simple. One thing at a time. Yes. <laughs> so as we kind of wind down today, I would love to just hear a little bit about your Body and Soul Collective, because I think this is something that especially local listeners will be interested in. Yeah, I would love to talk about Body and Soul Collective. So this is our little wellness company that was born out of COVID, actually. A good friend of mine, Mary Malay, she was offering her services by doing guided meditations virtually for some of her friends. And a lot of us were either physicians or teachers, and we had to work. We had to show up and go to work. And during our lunchtime, I would tune in and I would hear her voice and she would talk me through this complete total relaxation. And I just can't tell you how I looked forward to that during the day. And I told Mary, I said, listen, after this pandemic is over, 
we need to collaborate. You are so talented and your energy is so important for healing. And we collaborated and she is like, we're yin and yang. I'm the evidence-based medicine person and she is everything else, all the yummy stuff. And she really has taught me how to trust my own intuition when it comes to anything, whether it's, you know, my own health or trusting my intuition in saying no and scaling down and slowing down and giving myself permission to do that. So what we have started are these women's wellness circles. And we basically offer our time and our space. And when you come into a circle, you get to meet new women. You'll listen to a lifestyle medicine talk by myself. Uh, Mary will talk you through a guided meditation. Uh, we have yummy plant-based food that I actually have been making all of the food for our events. So it's a very handcrafted, personal experience, beautiful environment, and it's a way that you can really connect. So we've been so successful, and I think it's because we've had so much support from our local Mendham Chester that we would love to get Long Valley in and whomever um, may need this. And our next one is on November we have one October 19th. We are sold out, unfortunately, but our next circle is November 16th, and the one after that is December 7th. Uh, we hold these on Thursday evenings from 6.30 to 9, and it is located in Mendham Far Hills. If, if you'd like to know more about us, we are on Instagram, Women's Body and Soul Collective. And we would just love to have you experience. We're re redefining what a girl's night looks like. And most, most exciting about this whole process is that we are promoting longevity. We're doing a longevity series. And this is based off of uh, Dan Butner's work in the Blue Zones. If you guys have heard about that, it's a fabulous uh, book. It's also a Netflix series right now, The Blue Zones, where he looks at places where people are living the longest, healthiest lives. So we want that for our friends and family and all of your listeners too. Yeah, but not only living this amazing. long, long, healthy life, but we want to live like a broad life. We want to have a full life. And, and that's what we're hoping that we can bring to our community. It sounds fantastic. I love it. And I will, I know you mentioned it. I'll link everything as well so that people can find it easily. And I recently watched The Blue Zones on Netflix. It was an excellent documentary series, excellent. And I was really touched by the people that he interviewed and, and the places, the beautiful places that he went. I mean, the scenery alone is worth watching it for. He just went to these gorgeous locations. A lot of them were islands. It's yes. definitely a connection, I think, with water and how mm -hmm. that makes us feel. But what really struck me was that a lot of these places, these like villages, you know, it's village in Greece, this middle of nowhere, uh, they didn't have nursing homes. You know, you talked about working right. in nursing homes earlier. They didn't have nursing homes. These centurions were living, still living on their own, doing Walking productive work. Hill, right? Walking, yes. Hills was another one. There was usually yes. hilly or, or mountainous areas that they were walking to every day and and they talked about the human connection, really everything we just talked about today. But it was just, I, I encourage I encourage everybody to watch that because it was really an eye-opener. And I think it's great that you're trying to bring some of that, you know, to our local community. We could all benefit from it. And 
it's a great way to think. And it's a, a really fun way to spend a girl's night. So thank you so much, Dr. Mandel, for being here today and sharing all of these life hacks. These are great. These are all things we can start doing right now that will make a difference. So it's my pleasure. Life is hard enough. So, you know, give yourself some grace. I think, especially as a mom and as a woman, we juggle so much, but I invite you to really spend some time on yourself. When you make that doctor's appointment for your kid, make one for yourself, you know, do the things to care for yourself, to fill your cup, because it all falls on, on us and we have to be cared for. And And sometimes we're the only ones to give ourselves permission to do that. So, so true. Great words to live by. Great advice. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and have been inspired to slow down and start living life at your own pace. As a brand new podcast, your listener voice matters. If Let's Slow Down is resonating with you, please take a minute to leave a review and rate us. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen and share it with friends. Remember, this is a process, so go easy on yourself. Be gentle and take all the space you need to thrive because the world needs you to be at your best, to love and serve others and yourself. 